Hi, I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this is another episode of SEO is Dead and Other Lives. Ryan, did you just get replaced by a robot? Because <laughs> you sounded like one. <laughs> that was very robotic. Was it, it didn't seem monotone. It seemed a little I am, dynamic. I am Ryan Klein. Um, yeah. And I'm a really voice excited. Processor. I'm really excited. You are? We are podcasting uh, regularly right now <laughs> to start this year. Technically, technically, the last one was two weeks ago. For, for us, it's a completely a regular or maybe even expedited basis. So hopefully um, people like the subject matter. Yeah. Well, so this is our second part. And I think a four or five part series. We'll, we'll just see how the other hopefully parts of the series go. <laughs> I think I, I think Jeez. I said it was five. Um, but we're, we're talking about opening your own SEO agency. Um, and our first episode of this, we talked about really getting started. Some of the tools that you'd use to get started how to find clients for the first time. A lot of uh, real life experiences uh, from Ryan, a little bit from me, just because I've been in-house for, for most of my career, but Ryan's out there doing it. Uh, you know, he, he started from the bottom and now he's here. So, you know, I think this will be a great episode. If, if you already have an agency and you're looking to kind of scale it up, we're going to talk about uh, staffing. We're going to talk about more refined ways to, to find customers. Uh, we're going to talk about negotiating salaries, all that kind of stuff that's a part of the day-to-day running of an agency that's in that that mode of, of growing. Sounds good to me, Paul. So I know that we we kind of left it off where I was talking about a couple of things I would have done differently as far as networking with other agencies or finding a niche. I guess let's assume we, we took those kinds of words of wisdom. We're, we're running with it. And then, yeah, like you said, we have an agency and we're starting to staff up because you can't wear all the hats and you can't do all the work because you literally can't scale that way. Unless with, that's your, your lifestyle. So when you started your agencies, it was just the two of you, right? Or did you have a third partner? No, there was never a third partner. It was, it's been 50, okay. 50 since day one. Okay. And so at what point were you like, all right, like we can't handle this. Just the two of us anymore. We got to hire someone. I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly the point because we had so few clients to start. So (laughs) I think that it was the second, the second that it was even one client and it was work that we wouldn't be doing. That's when we say we don't handle this. The first thing to go almost immediately is content because no one should be sitting down and and writing blogs on behalf of clients. So that was like the absolute first hire is a content person. And you have a lot of options when it comes to content, as we both know. Yeah. So a lot of directions. So pretty much when you, I guess, decided to do full-time, right? Like a full-time agency. Because I, I know you guys were both kind of working jobs and running it on the side to start for like the first, what, couple of years? Um, yeah. It, I wouldn't say that it was completely full-time for, yeah, about a couple of years. So by the time I I left, like formally left at the law firm and I was, or let me take a step back. I, I didn't formally leave the law firm. I was still consulting for quite some time because I still had some some hours to dedicate but me physically going to office for a market my market like day in day out uh, it only took about six about six clients and then we had about two or three employees that's about like when mm-hmm. I made my presence known within the market my market office full-time yeah so heading right into that you were like we got to have employees um full-time to, to handle content I'm guessing and then probably link building or or was it just content the first hire, as I mentioned, it was a content writer. The second hire was basically a lot of uh, jack all trades. So what what it is is the specialization doesn't really 
come in right away. It was and like by by no means this is more anecdotal than like what you should do. Even though I don't think specialization uh, should happen immediately. I mean, it can happen pretty quickly, but not not immediately. I basically took the intern I had from the law firm and said, "Hey, you're coming with me over here now." And this guy basically did web dev, he did SEO, he did content, he did everything. It was literally like Swiss Army knife kind of kind of situation. <laughs> One person's a little bit more dedicated with content. And then we had someone that was like a little bit more dedicated with client facing, but you can bet that people are kind of jumping into a lot of different projects in the, in the beginning. Yeah. Because that's <clears throat> kind of what we needed. So you're, you're Jack of all trades guy. Um, you found from, from a previous working relationship and obviously it was, it was an intern, probably not making a ton of money. So this was a vertical step up for this person. So it sounded like it was an easy decision for them to make. Yeah. So this is definitely going to be, uh, so one of the first, like Ryan tip number one of today, of today's okay. podcast, you know, someone that was a graduate F- FAU, they, that's a Florida Atlantic university in Boca Raton came, came to the law firm, started learning a lot. And then of course went from being like unpaid to paid like nothing to, to something. But then the way it scaled, was just like, it, it did not scale accordingly with what his contributions were. So as a, as a business owner, sometimes it's hard to remove yourself from situations that you were in the past where it's like, I got paid trash when I worked at places like my whole life. So, it, you, but you can't compare other people to that. So just because I was getting paid like dog shit as an <laughs> SEO agency at a law firm doesn't mean I learned the hard way and that's what it is. And that's what other people should go through. That's an opportunity for you to do the right thing and actually pay people what they're worth. So <clears throat> I uh, we just because you went through it doesn't mean other people have to go through it. It took me a long time to get out of that mindset. Yeah. Like I, I was in that mindset for for years, honestly. I was like, I, well, when I worked in-house at a you know SEO company, I was uh, doing pay-per-click and I was writing content, I was building websites and I was doing SWOT analysis, I was doing client facing and was going to sales and I got paid 11 15 an hour, which is true, which is it, like it's still crazy to think that. But that doesn't mean that the next person well, you're only doing a third of what I did. You should be capped at 11, 50 or 12. That's just, they don't have to make their situation the same as my, on, yeah, on not ideal right. situation. I mean, I, I totally get it. Um, you know, it, there's, there's a sense, right? Uh, I think that a lot of people have, it's like you have to pay your dues to get paid, not crap. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, I think like, uh, leave it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like people that do a good job, um, should be paid a, a good wage, you know, like it, so. it doesn't have to be like that, <laughs> which is good. I, I'm glad that you have that mindset uh, as a business owner. Um, so, you know, that was sort of an easy find for you. How did you find, uh, your content writer? A content writer was probably on Craigslist and, and that content writer wasn't particularly good. So they didn't work. The first one didn't really work out. But as we started getting other people in, I by no means paid appropriately for a bit. I mean, it's very much like a startup mentality. And I don't know if we were kind of enticing people like, hey, listen, we're, start, we're all starting off this together, but you have a potential of making like a crap ton of money. I, d- I doubt I was dangling that above people's heads. I think that they just like to be in an environment where we were all millennials, <laughs> which we, we all were at the same time. And we're, they were coming from places where other people didn't give an opportunity yet. So for example, one person 
had uh, graduated from a respectable university with a bachelor's in like creative writing or English. And she couldn't get a job because it's, as we know, the catch 22, can't, can't get a job without experience, can't get experience without a job. And no one gave her like the time of the day. So, so we did, and she ended up being like a great hire. She still works with us today. So that's like six years later. Um, so I'm not saying it's not an ideal situation to hire people without experience, but we were in a position where we're just like, we're going to take a chance with a lot of people that didn't have a chance anywhere else. It feels like kind of an underdog uh, sports movie where, <laughs> like, uh, where it's like the ragtag team of uh, lacrosse players and they win the championship. I mean, I, I totally get it. And um, I, when I hire people, I don't really necessarily look, sometimes you look for experience because just you have to know some stuff when it comes to like SEO, like it's really important, but there's a lot of people. It's like, if they just have a good attitude and they have like a good work Mm -hmm. ethic and you can kind of read them, you know, like they'll, they'll do the work. You can teach them. Um, You know, you you can teach most people how to do, how to do SEO and how to run successful campaigns. Um, But you know, if they don't want to put in the time and it's just like, they're lazy, there's not much you can, you can do with those people. But um, I always find like people that have something to prove, whether it's from like their, their background or just like their education level or, or whatever it is, tend to be better employees um, than people that have less to prove. Right. So like the people like that come from like a community college, I feel like they're like, Oh man, the world's against me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like how <laughs> I shouldn't even be here. Like I shouldn't even be successful. Um, and so like a lot of times they're willing to just really bust their butt um, and put in the extra time to, to be good at something. Yeah. It's, there are some questions like that that are asked during like the vetting or, or the interview. Um, I'm one of the people that very rarely looks at education um, just because most of the time it's just not, it's not that it's a relevance. It just typically doesn't have impact and it doesn't really have much of a difference on the kind of people that we bring on the team. Well, like the level of education. I mean, some people that are highest up in our, com- our company don't have a bachelor's. And you know that too. Yeah. So, um, but if they go into UCF, it's always a positive. They went to UCF, (laughs) it's always a negative. Like we know that though. Like that's just, that's very clear and defined, but um, it's, it depends like on the position. Like we we're pretty much split into departments at this point. Like we have account management, we have content, we have SEO. So we do look for different things with each person. So um this is kind of bigger picture, but I'll go back to some of the, the root stuff after this, but content generally doesn't have to have experience. The writing sample says a lot. Um, SEO is like, I'm a, with you there. It's, there's a lot of loose criteria and it's, I don't know if it's intuitive or instinctual, like who's going to fit there. But a lot of the time we don't even want people with like a lot of formal SEO experience anyway, because we're just going to fight with them. We don't, agree with all the stuff that's been indoctrinated by a bunch of other crappy places they worked. So we normally try to get people that are kind of starting off or went to a boot camp or something in SEO. The only position that we're very, very adamant about having experience is account management because they do have to have client facing. It makes a big difference. People have to be comfortable talking to business owners. That experience is <clears throat> crucial for that position like that. So when you uh, hire people now, uh, how do you negotiate salaries? Well, we start all the way at the bottom and they start really high and then hopefully we meet in the <laughs> middle. So they say like, I want, you know, 
80 and then we say zero so oh. 40 is like really reasonable and then you get a lot of great people that way so you, you want to talk about salaries already <laughs> um yeah i mean i think it's important to know like what you're gonna have to pay right to to retain people right um sure. so like early on you were talking it was more of like a startup mindset so people knew going into it and you know that it wasn't going to be max earning potential right off the bat right like you probably weren't going to steal an employee from a place that you know was making seventy thousand eighty thousand dollars was non-existent using a headhunter is not even a question yeah recruiter you were doing your own recruiting a hundred percent and then it was just sort of like did people start off as like hourly or did you start people off on like a salary basis yeah people people more than likely are hourly because um i don't think even like we were set up to technically even have employees yet for, for a bit. I don't think it was like that for, for a long time, but I'm sure that people are 1099 coming into an office technically, which you don't even have. They're not required to go in an office if they have a consultant designation. So I'm sure just for the sake of being able to uh, kind of scrape by for a little bit, people are 1099. So we avoided like payroll tax and, and like some of those other things. That's, that's kind of how it is um, for a lot of people. In the very, very beginning, I'm sure that we, after there was other incorporation going from LLC to like S Corp and having to like offer actual, an actual benefit to get people that are, have some talent, <laughs> oh, no offense, anyone that started off in the beginning, like you have, you have to do that pretty, pretty quickly. It's, I think that there's a limit to see, this is like the part of me. I'm like, I don't know the H- H- all the HR stuff. That's why you have a business partner components. Chase handles yeah. the HR part side of this. He has. He's always handled the HR components. So I think like in Florida, there might there may have been a law where like you couldn't at 15 people, which we did it before 15 people. But there's different like laws where it's like you have to be everyone has to be like full time employees at at some point. You have to pay payroll tax and, and crap because yes. the go- government wants their freaking money. Um, so so when yeah. the first time that you guys had had to pay someone, like how did you set it up to do it? You know, like. We're using like a software uh or just paying first time PayPal. oh my <laughs> gosh i wish i knew it's probably embarrassing like for all i know that we paid them like on on paypal like I, I don't know if it's that bad but it probably is um i think that we may have written checks yeah just connected to a business checking account like we had a business checking account immediately that's like the bare minimum um but it was, a, it was a real manual process. It sounds like. Uh, for, for I think it was manual. I don't know. It's a while ago, and I didn't really wasn't really in charge of that kind of stuff. I I know that we use Gusto now, and there's a lot of options. I know mm. that there are more options now that there were seven eight years ago. Technically, when it, sure. you know, we we started, but I wouldn't be surprised if we use a check. I don't think we ever were in a bind where you hear those stories where it's like, all right, I'm going to give you your check on a Friday, but don't cash it till Monday. Like that kind of crap. <laughs> like, I don't think it's, it was ever that bad. Like we've only been in debt. <laughs> uh, like, like once where we're like, I had to make a loan to the company, but that was, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it worked out good. I <laughs> um, was like five, five years ago for one reason or another. So, but one, one thing I want to t- mention just talking about pay and I'll talk about salaries and negotiation is that <clears throat> that Swiss army knife that we had that went from an intern and started getting paid 10 or 12, 14. It's just important to know that as tough as it seems, or as much as it goes against what, I mean, for me, it definitely did for other people like logical, like 
when people are up and coming in their job and they're providing value way faster than you would have expected, they really do have to be paid accordingly soon. Sorry, they have to be paid accordingly sooner than later, regardless of how much it defies like what you think is even fair to yourself. So for example, let's say they're getting paid 14 an hour because you're still hands-on and you're training them and you're still dedicating a lot of time. They're not quite there yet. But in six months from then, they're just like doing everything. They're like knocking out websites or doing SEO campaigns. They're doing a lot of crap. And you're not, you find yourself in a situation where you're not hands-on. You're not telling them what to do. Like they're just kind of killing it. And you're like, oh man, they like, they obviously have to get a raise. And it might seem like, well, 20% sounds, that's a lot. I mean, people don't get 20% raises annually, like ever. Um, so, you know, you're thinking that 20% is $2.80, but then the amount of work they're doing is technically like $25 worth of work. And then you're just like, I can't, ugh, I can't give them a hundred percent who gets a hundred percent raise, you know, like you have to get out of that mindset. And I wish that I told myself then that then, because even though it doesn't seem right, it, it is like people can go from 14 to $25 an hour if that's going to keep them there and it's happy and that's what they're worth, even though the percentage or the jump or all that kind of crap doesn't seem correct because of awareness of business practices. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I mean, it, most places it's like two, five, between five and 2%, like at the end of the yeah, year. It's like crazy. It's so just like to keep like, up with inflation, which a lot of, it's not even the same story now, right now. <laughs> that's a whole separate conversation right now, of course. Um, but I couldn't get it out of my head. Those are things that, I couldn't like break away from it. Cause I'm so like, I can be like really analytical and it's just like, just no one in the world makes 20%. Like who gets a 20% raise? Like, that's just so much. What do these, what do these people expect? And just because, and then again, just cause I was exposed to that bullshit. People just get paid what they're worth. If someone's a hundred percent more productive than they were six months ago, the good for them, pay them a crap ton more money. It doesn't have to have a, an arbitrary limit. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't pay him, someone, someone else is going to pay him. Like, and then that's what happened. And so what happened was his value, his stake just went through the roof and he, he just was like in a position where, well, these guys are clearly aren't going to even come closer to match what I just was offered at this other place. So he went from probably making, I don't know, like 35 a year um, with, with us. And he like immediately made 50, 55 somewhere else. Because he's just like, these guys just can't, aren't going to be able to come close to what I'm, I'm worth right now because of how we're talking about raises and bonuses and all that. And we, and we lost something that was, was really good way early on that we would have benefited from having a lot longer. So that just means that you're not going to get paid a lot just so you can pay someone else that's going to be integral to your business growth. That's just probably how it is. This shit's not easy, you know? Yeah. So wish, wish I did that early on. So how do you find uh, candidates now? I mean, it's probably a really different process now that you're, you're still like, yeah. It's a mix and it's always been a mix. So we do like grooming. Again, I mentioned that do you like grooming SEOs before they get indoctrinated by a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing by a bunch of people that don't listen to SEOs that know their lies. You know, <laughs> they listen to some other crap or like read dumb articles. Sometimes you do hire SEOs that have been taught by other people uh, the right way, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, well, there is yeah. that, but that's far and few between. So, so we like working with them um, for SEOs because it's, we're so selective. We like boot camps. 
or or like working maybe directly with like a university. So we do start them off like kind of that um, apprenticeship and internship level and develop them. And it's a pain in the ass, but you know, we, we work and try hard to incentivize them to, to work with us. And then after they're you know, working with us three to six months and start paying them fairly better than what it was back in the day, uh, lining up a lot of things that put them on a path to have more responsibility and more compensation. So we don't become just like a launching pad for them to be like, cool, thanks for the, the, ment- the mentoring. And now I'm going to go somewhere else. Like that's yeah. the worst thing. That's the worst thing that can happen. You have someone work with you for a year and then it's like, oh, I didn't even negotiate or tell you about like how much I, I'm interested in. I just like started applying places and it turns out I know what I'm doing. Thanks to you. It's like, great. That's not what market my market's for. It's not, thanks, it's not thanks like for the memories. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not an environment for you to develop professionally and then go someplace else. It's de- develop professionally and you know, be on a path to contribute more and more where you're yeah. at and earn more. So SEO is pretty specific contents. Um, we have a lot more options. We use like Jazz HR, which is probably like a monster or Indeed, but that's the one that we have the most success for. Plus, I think they might like already kind of use some of the other ones too. So that's mm-hmm. been good for content. Um, sales is like a whole podcast in itself. I could talk about that for a million years. I don't even want to talk. Uh, give myself a headache. The the one that's tricky is account management again. We've Do had to use a... He's a recruiter. He's a recruiter. Yeah. We try not to because it's, exp- yeah. But, but you want the right person sometimes. I mean, client facing is big time stuff. You want the right person representing your company. So you pay a premium. And, um, yeah. And, and all, yeah. And all candidness, yeah, as far as a range, I mean, SEOs nowadays, I don't know. Like in this, and, and keep in mind, we, we're very much in house. That's a whole, other conversation itself. Other agency owners think that we're, we're idiots for having everything in-house. Everyone outsources something. Yeah. You know, so that's a whole separate thing. But um, SEOs, you know, they might, the really beginning ones might start off at 30, 35 to 37, but they'll get up to like 45 and 50 pretty quickly. Content writers, pretty, pretty similar. But good AMs, you know, they might make like 70, 75, like in their first year. They're good. Um, and if they're, you know, kind of developing them, they don't have as much experience, they still start at like 60, 55. So it's not um, not the cheapest position, but you, pay, you know, you pay what you get what, what you, you pay, pay for. for. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of how it is that people, people still don't really think about that. So uh, talks a lot about staffing, uh, how to staff up. Want to talk a little bit about finding leads now, right? So I think your, your strategy for doing it's a little more refined than it was at the beginning. Um, so I, I know we spoke a little bit about like mastermind groups um, that you go just to talk to other business owners, but do you, do you find leads and stuff just from going to those? Some people can, everyone has a different strategy for, for leads. Um, I would say that um, referrals and word of mouth are what everyone's favorite, favorite approach to leads are. I mean, it's, being set up from someone that's vouching for you and what's better than having a referral from someone that you already work with and trust. So that'll happen from, you know, current clients, as I mentioned on the, on the last podcast, if you, you have happy clients, there's nothing better than a happy client that's willing to refer, refer you to several other people. Do you, uh, do you ask them for referrals or they, they really? organically? No, 
No. Do you ever give them a, a like a discount if, if you get a referral from them? This is a good question. I don't know. <laughs> it would seem like you would, but it's like there's a part part of it that's like you know that we're gonna like take care of you more, which we are. We're not gonna necessarily like quantify it because we don't want to uh, actually like quantify your level of contribution to like a value. I don't want to like discount or diminish anything, but it, they'll know that it's appreciated and there's things happening in other ways. I don't know. It's like very vague, but hopefully you know where I'm coming from. Like they, they feel better about the relationship in general and you're going to support them. Um, yeah. Like we're going to, we're going to hook it situation. up. I'm not going to say how, like, but I got your back. Like if yeah. there's a major algorithm update, it's like, wink, I like, I got you first. You're like at the top of the list. Yeah. But it's, but it's not like, oh, I just, oh, thanks for the referral. I took off like a thousand dollars next month. And it's like, yeah, I don't think they're expecting that. And plus I don't like qu quantifying it. And then I'll also like giving away a thousand dollars. That's true. <laughs> Hard to stay in business if you keep doing that. Uh, so yeah, I got other things to do with what, all the freaking expenses. Now, you used to regularly go to, to conferences for, for lots of things. Um, I've, I've been to a conference with you before. I've been I've been to Avo's uh, conference. In, in oh, Vegas, man. Right. Um, I don't do, do those you, anymore. You don't do those anymore? Did you ever get any, any no, clients? No. Well, Avo doesn't do it. They don't do Lorinomics anymore. Yeah. But we had a good time. We had a great time. And, but no. No conferences are typically not amazing places to get leads and it all depends i'm not gonna say it doesn't work for everyone like it clearly does or else people no one would sponsor it <laughs> like no one would sponsor like tower hat boots like it does work um i don't think that anyone i've talked to at least in the legal space thinks it's a main way that they get leads but there are some that like definitely do it and they can even scorpion for... scorpion designs i don't uh i don't i don't know if i've seen scorpion but i i think that they used to back in the day because they were like the only company that was that was like on another level with their web design but now it's like a lot of people have caught up frankly yeah so it's not as it's not as uncommon to see best in class web design but that's just one example. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, people love conferences. Yeah, well, people, conferences are people like to travel. <laughs> people like to go yeah, places. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I like going to Mass Torts Made Perfect in Vegas, and that's even twice twice a year. And last last time I saw, saw John Mulally do stand-up, and I'm going to see Drew Brees do a keynote. I'll see Drew Brees. Drew Brees, what's he going to talk about? Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> hey, maybe he's funny. I don't know. Not as funny as Tony Romo. Um, so I don't necessarily think that conferences, from my experience and what I've heard, are, are like a great way for like lead acquisition. I think it's great for networking, which is like can turn into that. It's good for branding. It's good for learning. It's good for having a pulse on what's like happening, what people are talking about. And it does work from what I've heard, if, but you have to do it continuously, meaning you have to like run the circuit and you have to do it a lot. And people have to see your face and talk to you like freaking like four to six times and then when they're familiar with you, you know, then you can start having more and more conversations with people. But you know how much that costs? Each conference costs like freaking $2,500. Especially if you're, if you're a speaker at it, it's, it's a lot. If you have a booth, it's a lot. Uh, they get you yeah. on all the add-ons. It's like you have this booth, but it doesn't have carpet. Oh, that's an extra $500. Oh, oh you it's true. Oh, you want to connect yeah. to Wi-Fi? Oh, that's another $200. Yeah. 
yeah, we got a quote for having our VP of biz dev speak at this conference. And it's, it's not even like a thousand people, you know, it's maybe like around that. It's not huge. It's like big, it's kind of niche, but I think they wanted $25,000. I know. Yeah. And you know what else it is? It wasn't even going to have his own like uh, spot. It was going to be a panel with two other people or three other people for 20, for like 20, 30 minutes. It's great. It's crazy. That's a whole other, yeah. a whole other thing. So, uh, are you running any like act, like campaigns for it? Yeah, you know, like paid search, anything like that, or is it pretty much just organically? You're you're getting through referrals, your own website traffic, things like that. So we get the vast majority of our leads come from a e- like a email campaign, like a newsletter. That's where the majority come from. So I've um, been, so I develop a lot of co- content, and so this could be like a later conversation where it's like once you have people that are actually doing like all the work and stuff. I mean, I, I definitely have my hands in strategy, but I mean, I haven't written like a piece of content for a client for five, six years, maybe some links here and there, but I don't really do the work, work anymore. You know, what is it that the day-to-day should look like? But that's a different conversation. But uh, I mean, I put out like a lot of content. I spend my time you know, writing like articles and guides. Not like, that's not all I do, but it is one component because there's no other like content going on the website. And I take that, and repurpose it into basically like a massive drip campaign. And what's great about, you know, B2B instead of, you know, marketing to consumers, um, the United States is pretty lenient on um, emailing people, frankly. And, yeah. But as long as it's not sp- spam, I mean, it's not spam. It's like uh, just in- information. And people have been reading a lot of these emails for months, if not years. And then they, they, something catches their attention and they're like, oh, I saw you were talking about local service ads or you're talking about content marketing or you're talking about this. And then they end up very much like organically, um, even though it's not like on Google or search result, organically being like, oh, I would love to talk about the, talk about this further. I need help with my website. So the majority of our leads come through uh, basically an uh, informational email campaign. How do you uh, get, get your lists for, for emails? It's all, all public. Oh, you just, so you just find, just find uh their emails from public sources and compile it and send it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So you're sending directly to like lawyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like their work, their work emails and stuff. That makes sense. Perfect. Sense. Yeah. And it, and it's never, it's never salesy. That's like one of the biggest thing that this is like a whole conversation about sales, but I'm never like, um, if you're not doing X, Y, and Z, Google's going to like slap, slap you down, smack you down next year. It's always just like, check out this article, check out this. It's not even all from us too. Like, oh, I just listened to this podcast. You should check it out. I just read this freaking book. I thought it was cool. You should check it. It's it's very like, I don't know, personable and kind of casual in a lot of ways. And people read 20, 25 emails before they they contact us. So that's yeah. that's been good. Um, organically, yeah, we work on some typical keywords and hope that the articles I spend freaking hours on show up for something that people are interested in. Um, some paid chase is working on, on some Google ads, but they're kind of tough. So you're gonna have to get like super, super specific with that. Yeah. And they're probably pretty expensive too. Probably. I mean, bidding on stuff like lawyer SEO and like lawyer SEO company and stuff like that. It's like, it's not cheap. It's not as expensive as car accident per- lawyer. Personal injury <laughs> attorney. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not cheap. I, I, I do want to make a bigger push on LinkedIn personally, but it's just, I don't know, like really the, the first thing with it, it's, it's a mystery to me how the ads work there and how the, 
visibility of articles and content, if it's linked, if it's shared, or if it's actually hosted or lives on LinkedIn, that's a whole other thing that I'd prefer someone else on the team to be the expert there. I don't want to be an expert in anything social media related, to be totally honest. <laughs> that covered, I think, a lot of the, the topics that, that we were talking about earlier today. Um, pretty good. Anything else you want to cover? Well, one thing I, one thing I can say real quick with hiring is that we had an operations manager start um, about 10 months ago. I don't even know what my life was like before an operations manager. Like, I don't, I don't remember. It must've sucked. <laughs> like, like there, it, it's, it's been such like a huge difference with someone that's their client is like marking my market. And all they do is like work on processes and operations that if any, anyone like, I'll take a step back for a pivotal hire or a crucial, crucial hire that will make a difference. I mean, you can't make this hire. This can't be your first hire. It can't be your fifth. It probably couldn't even really be your 10th, but I would try to do it sooner and later. And it'll be, if you want someone good, it'll have to be someone you'll have to pay more than like on average. And they probably should be in the States for, because of things that are potentially regulatory or, or like tax related or employment or HR related, but it's just someone that their client is your agency and they're do doing documentation, they're implementing processes and they end up being the person that's finding candidates and, and vetting them and doing the first interview because I did all, all the interviews before. And like, so did Chase or said some of the team leads. And it's so like free form because it's, it's hard to break out the day to day and just be like, I'm just going to like talk to this random person. Plus, when you're busy, the last thing you want to do is interview people. And so if you can have someone on a team that's either a hybrid or they're dedicated like operations or, or an office manager, it's something along those lines, but it's very operational. And they're able to be that person that's to go to where every, everyone has to like go through them first. And they have like a set, like objective way of looking at the different positions with like different questions and different things they're looking for. It makes like a huge difference for assembling your team properly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks, Ryan. I, I think we had a pretty solid episode, covered all those topics that, that we that we mentioned early on. Uh, I think the next one, we're, we're going to dive a little deeper into your day-to-day, -day, right? So what does the day-to-day -day look like for someone running an SEO agency? Like, what did it look like so, earlier so on? Chase afterwards. Yeah. What did it look like early on versus what it looks like now? Right. Uh, yeah. yeah it's so, you know, that, that's going to be a great episode. Um, just want to say uh, thanks to everyone out there listening. Uh, we really appreciate all of our listeners. And if uh, you're ever interested in being on or got a question for Ryan and I, you can email us at seosaidandotherwise at gmail.com. Uh, we love to respond to, to, to listeners um, and be sure to like, share, or subscribe anywhere that you listen to this podcast at. Um, you know, we're, we're just doing it for, we're just doing it for the likes, really. <laughs> they, know, they know that, they know. Or, or the positive comments. Um, but again, yeah, we, we appreciate all you guys so much. Uh, I'm Paul Warren. And I'm Ryan Klein. And this has been another episode of SEO is Dead and Other Lies. Bye. Bye. <laughs>